Blaze Radio Network, on demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, welcome to The Bonfire Podcast. Here to talk about the important things. The important things like Ryan Lochte. Oh, Ryan. This story, (laughs) for those of you who I'm sure watched the Olympics, that was probably most of us, and certainly the swimming portion of the Olympics, you know, where we see Michael Phelps uh, kicking ass and taking names, just like he always does. Here you see an example of another American swimmer who falls short of everything Michael Phelps. Yes, there was time that uh, there was a time that Michael Phelps was busted for a DUI, I believe. I think that was a few years ago. And then he decided to turn his life around just a little bit. Uh, Ryan Lochte, on the other hand, who is 32 years old, he is not a child. He is a man-child, if you want to give him that negative connotation, which I do. Overall, I am not impressed with Ryan. He seems to be spoiled. He seems to take too much for granted and just be a general party boy. So, on that note, I think we're all aware of the yeah international incident he is a part of. I can't completely say, though, it's his fault. Uh... There was a time, though, that I was blaming it all on him, saying, Ryan, why would you lie about being held up? Why would you lie about being robbed in Brazil? And there are really so many angles to this story, and it would take hours and hours to get into them and explain all these new details and have interviews and get other opinions and viewpoints. Okay, but no. I'm just going to give off, you know, kind of like a bullet point list here. Number one, why were you out getting wasted when you're there for the Olympics? I believe if you're an Olympian, you should kind of really focus on why you're there in the first place. You're not there to get wasted. You're not there to be a party boy or a party girl. I thought you were there to get a medal. I thought you were there to represent your country in these games and, oh, I don't know, give a good performance and try to get the gold medal. Okay? Even if you did during the day. I'm more of the personal persuasion that, yeah, I'd go out to eat, see some friends, but then call it a day. I'd say, hell, I'm in a, I'm in a foreign country. Anything can happen here. And if you're doing well, which Ryan is, he's the second most decorated swimmer, Olympian, I believe. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be noticed. So if you kind of just go out on the town and have a good time, people are going to know it's you. You're going to be followed. So when the news first came out, Ryan and three other swimmers held up in a robbery. I thought, oh, okay, of course, of course. That's Brazil, which is true, and that's unfortunate. Then he starts to give some details, and you're like, wow, that sounds pretty terrible. Gun was held to your head, and you were forced to give $400. That's that's trash. (laughs) That sucks, but hey, that's Brazil. So lesson learned. Don't get wasted, get drunk, and be robbed and held at gunpoint, and move on with your life. 
Get back to the Olympics, win your medals, head home, call it a day. No, he did decide to share with the media what happened. Supposedly what happened. Then the Rio police come out and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That is not what we got. Here's our story. They say this fool and his three other buddies trashed a gas station. Urinated everywhere, destroyed the bathroom, and the money wasn't robbery. It was compensation for what they had destroyed. Then Ryan comes back and says, well, sort of. I mean, yes, I was intoxicated. But there was a gun in my face. What do you want us to do? We just wanted to get the hell out of there. If you're putting a gun on my face and you say, hey, give us money, and there was a translator there, uh, yeah, I'm going to be like, fine, here, take the stupid wallet. Let me go. I don't want to die. I got things to do. I want to live. Okay. But now you get reports from studies in USA Today, extensive reviews, and this is according to USA Today. They're saying, well... The U.S. swimmers and Ryan, they were never questioned about the alleged Rio vandalism by the cops. So what were the cops asking them? Maybe it was just, hey, uh, so what happened? Well, we were robbed. Oh, okay. Thank you. You can go back to your hotel now. Who knows? Because now there's so much going back and forth between basically the country of Brazil and Ryan and the team. Who the hell's telling the truth? Literally. Right now, the real police are charging Ryan with filing a false robbery report. But video surveillance doesn't show them anywhere near the bathrooms. Okay, well, then I thought they trashed a bathroom. Okay, well, if they trashed the bathroom, then they should pay for it. But that doesn't mean you should take it by force, saying, hey, you owe us money. I'm going to shove a gun in your face. And you're like, well, these were off-duty cops, I believe. Um, Even off-duty cops shouldn't be doing that, just throwing their guns in their face and saying, hey, you owe us money. What you do is you go through the system, okay? That's called a civilized society, not vigilantism. But the swimmers were just trying to get out of the country right when the Olympics ended, just so they could get home and they can't be extradited. But the Rio police are saying, hey, what are you doing? You need to come back. We know you're back in America, but you need to come back and you need to face the consequences and be held responsible. And then Ryan, in the uh, Matt Lauer interview, says, yeah, uh, we were intoxicated, but I take full responsibility for it. It was my fault, my immature behavior. And you're like, well, okay, well, what was the immature behavior? Peeing on the wall? Or did you destroy a bathroom? Or did you lie? So this story's all over the place. What the hell is going on? USA Today sports investigation raises questions about the Rio cops and the whole Lochte incident, saying, okay, no, the cops probably embellished and or lied about their story. So wait, then what is going on? Who is telling the whole truth, or any of it for that matter? The narratives of the night are completely different from both sides of the story. Both both parties. You know, a Brazilian judge says police might have been hasty in determining that the security guards didn't commit robbery. Meaning, okay, like, the security guards probably felt like, well, we can, uh, you destroyed something, give us your money. There are people, though, who say, well, wait a minute. Was it, did you give $400 or did you give, like, 50 bucks? And then what did you supposedly destroy? We get two different stories about, well, I ripped down a poster. The other one, like, well, you destroyed the, the mirror and the soap dispenser and the door. What the, what the hell's going on? There is, there's seemingly nothing similar between any of these stories. You think, okay, you're both seemingly lying. And this is a big deal because it's between 
the U.S. and Brazil, okay? This isn't, you know, your local town and the stupid, you know, village idiot broke the door and then the cops, one lied, but then the others were telling the truth. It's not that, it's not that black and white, okay? It's going back so, so much between two countries that this doesn't really help. Why would you ever want to be a part of this, you know? And I think it's fair to say, you know, Ryan, you could have just avoided this if you hadn't gotten out and got, you hadn't gotten drunk, which I've done before. I'm not perfect. I've certainly gotten drunk. But guess what? I did it in someone's house, and then I spent the night. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything stupid. I wasn't belligerent. I'm certainly a happy drunk. I'm the one who's out giving everybody hugs and really loud. <laughs> oh, man. And then the energy is just coursing through my body, and all of a sudden it just hits me. Whoa. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, and I'm hungry. Huh? And I'll go get some pizza, and I'll fall asleep while I'm eating my pizza. And then I wake up the next day with a, a hangover and a headache. So that is how I drink. That is what happens to me. Apparently for Ryan, according to some sources, he decides to go trash a bathroom. There is so much wrong with this story. So many different angles, like I said. that yeah, I just had to give my half-assed two cents there, saying, Ryan, if you hadn't gotten out in a strange country, drunk, this probably, maybe, possibly could have been avoided. Rio cops, possibly seeing him and knowing it's him, realizing we could probably get away with something here. Hey, it looked like you uh, touched the mirror over there. That's illegal. Give us your money. I'm going to shove a gun in your face to make sure that you actually do give me your money. Or, he was legitimately being robbed because they didn't touch anything, and the cops broke it themselves because Brazil has dirty cops. Just like any country, but Brazil particularly is really bad. And the Rio de Janeiro area. Or, ugh, literally, so many different angles. So, needless to say, going to keep an eye out on the news because I want to see ultimately how this is resolved. I, it's in, happened in Brazil, so a Brazilian judge and a court is going to have to decide what is going to take place next, who is ultimately responsible, and how the story gets tied up. If Ryan and his teammates are the belligerent idiots that some portray them as, which I think Ryan is certainly an idiot, or the cops are, well, the cops made it worse. The off-duty cops, the private security, whoever the hell they were. It's their fault. They took too much money. Technically, we would call that robbery. We're going to hold them accountable. All right, Ryan and teammates, go home. Good luck. Have fun. Adios. Whatever. We will find out in the coming weeks. Now, on the other side, something that's a little bit more not international. Yeah, well said, Andrew. A little more at home. I'm going to get right into that. Up next. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, something that I've been doing lately when I come home from work, and I'm looking to veg out, something I don't want to really actively engage my mind after it's been used all day. And in my particular job, I have to have the attention span of a squirrel in order to keep my eyes moving on all the different news, articles, 
keep my ears open for listening and knowing and being aware. You're kind of exhausted at the end of the day. So I'll come home, and I'll try to watch some TV, maybe for about an hour. Usually that's about enough. And then I, I got to eat, shower. I try to read. Usually I have something to clean up. House can be dirty. After all, we're guys. Things can get neglected for a little bit. <laughs> and I decided to go to Hulu and see if I could find an old show of mine that I used to love as a kid. For those of you who know, the show Doug that was on Nickelodeon. Now, I only watched it on Nickelodeon. I never watched it on Disney. and I never liked the Disney version. I'm not really sure why. But anyway, Doug. It's an American animated sitcom. It focuses on early adolescent life of the uh, uh, main character, Doug Funny, who experiences common predicaments while attending school in his new hometown of Bluffington. Yes. I thought this was a good show. I think I watched it probably when I was nine, ten years old. I had an alarm on my watch to remind myself, oop, time for Doug, and I go turn on the TV after school, watch it, you know, half-hour episode which each episode actually had two episodes in it. It was broken down into 15-minute segments like that. And then I'd go back to my homework. So, just good, wholesome fun. You you kind of want to go back to those old things like that when you're in the media because frequently what does make a good story is the bad story. You know, the like, oof, that's hard to see because it catches eyeballs. And it is information that people need to know. Okay, it's not just all sunshine and lollipops. That's not the real world. You got to tell everything, and sometimes the truth hurts, and it's pretty terrible. So after a day and weeks, months and years of that lifestyle, you know that's what we choose. We know what we're doing. You want to come home in the evening and say, "All right, it's not the end of the world. Um, I need to take a breather. I got to I got to turn this off because there there is so much trouble and evil in this world. Yes, but oh God, I got to take a break." i got to turn it off for a second. So you turn on something like Doug, something that came from your childhood, that you're just like, this is just going to bring back good memories, make me feel happy for 30 minutes, and then I can get back to my chores and my evening and move on with my life. Well, I started watching Doug, and I'm kind of sitting there, and I'm kind of fidgeting in my chair, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Why am I so... This is weird. What was weird was the animation. There are some cartoons out there, like Pinky and the Brain, Cat Dog, a lot of these like Nickelodeon and old Cartoon Network shows that the animations really creep me out. They're just weird. I don't like it. To watch it makes me feel not gross, but makes me feel very uncomfortable. I feel disturbed. <laughs> I don't know how they do that, but there are just some cartoons you're just like, I can't watch this. This is too. Ooh. And I started watching Doug, and I said, wait a minute, I never had a problem with this when I was a kid. I just would watch the stupid show. But now I'm sitting here, still kind of enjoying it and remembering, oh, yeah, I remember this. Wow, this was old. Oh, yeah, good stuff. I'm still sitting there kind of slightly uncomfortable. I thought, ooh, this isn't good. Something that I used to relish is now kind of icky. I don't know how else to explain it. And I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, that there are certain... Of course, okay, yes, there are certain sounds and things that people see that just make them shiver, you know down their spine, and they're like, whoa, what was that? Eh, I have that sometimes with uh, certain cartoons. Uh, what's another one? Uh, Claymation, another one. I used to love Wallace and Gromit, you know, Claymation from the UK. But now it's kind of hard to watch that, even though I loved it as a child. So Chicken Run, Wallace and Gromit, 
I guess the Nightmare Before Christmas, although I've never seen that. Maybe James and the Giant Peach, if that's another one. Never saw that either, but that's all the same animation. It's clay, it's kind of twitchy, and oh, God, I hate it. No, 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 I can't do that stuff anymore. I, I've tried. I've had Chicken Run on, and this, I was like, uh, this is kind of weird. I don't, I don't really like this. There's just something off about it. I cannot explain it. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, uh, dummies and dolls. I hate that crap. It's just very disturbing to me. Something that looks human, but you know it's not. It's completely dead. It is an inanimate object. It's still very creepy to me. You know, the dummies like a ventriloquist dummies. No, 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 no. No, thank you. Can't do it. Although I did see a movie called Annabelle that had one in there, and I was kind of fine. I didn't think it was that scary of a movie. So they probably just didn't do a good job with it. But in general, yes, I do not like that stuff. So any kind of creepy animation, and now seemingly Doug is now a part of that category. It's just weird. So, yeah, this was just a random segment to say that I tried to go back to my my golden days as a uh, chid, as a child, or a kid, and watched Looney Tunes. I like Looney Tunes, still good. I watched Doug, I thought, ooh, this is okay, something seems a little off, I don't know what it is. And hell, right now I'm watching Gilligan's Island because you know what? I feel like it, okay? It's a good show. If you don't agree, then bite me. Get out of here. If you're not a Gilligan fan, <laughs> you are not an American. If you are not a Marianne fan, you are not an American. That's all I have to say about it. That's it. That is it. Done deal. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, time for another quick little book review from The Bonfire. This was something that I was, I don't know, I think I was just driving, minding my business. All of a sudden it popped into my head. Mark Cuban. (laughs) I don't know why. Owner of the Dallas Mavericks, for those of you who don't know. I, I'm sure most people know. It'd be weird if you didn't. But Mark Cuban, I started thinking, like, hmm, he's a successful guy. I wonder what words of wisdom he has for people my age, you know, just in their 20s. How to save, what to do with your money, should you invest in this or do that, and just um, general fiscal responsibility. And then, you know, in a business sense, sure, for those of us who like to try to run a business one day, and those of us who already are, does he have any words of wisdom? And for some reason, I just couldn't get him out of my head. I thought, like, hmm, uh, I don't just want to read something online. Let's go see if he has a book. It turns out he does have a book. But in the very first uh, paragraph, he admits, look, it's too soon for me to write a book. So all I did was I took my, I thought, best blog posts over the years and maybe touched them up a little bit where I needed to and then put them all in this book. So the book I have in front of me is, let's see how many pages. It is only 72 pages. About 75. Yeah, so about 75 pages, which is super short. And the font is... It's a good size. So uh, you can absolutely read this in an afternoon. Done and done. It's called How to Win at the Sport of Business. If I can do it, you can do it. So yeah, this is 
blog posts over the years that he has written and then just compiled into this booklet. That's really all it is. But I still enjoyed it. I thought, okay, there's some pretty good nuggets in here. So let me see if I can find some right here in the moment. Here it is. The worst evaluator of talent is a player trying to evaluate himself. That being said, you know, we always hear all the time, whoa, we, we are our own worst critic. Well, that's true. But frequently, we're also our biggest fan. When someone says, hey, what do you do? You're like, oh, I do this. Oh, I'm good at it. Yeah, that's my job. I'm the best. My, my company, if I, if I were to quit, they'd be screwed because I'm that crucial to them. A lot of us think that way. We're trying to evaluate our own talent. And you really shouldn't do that. You're the worst judge of your own talent. What you're supposed to do is go to others and get their opinions. That's how it works. You need their feedback, not your own. As the point that Mark makes in one of these po- uh, posts that he wrote. Let me see something else that I highlighted. You have to figure out what works for you. So, that was something else I read in another book, and I forget if I mentioned it on the bonfire, but the idea of success. Only you can define what success is. Uh, success for Bob over there could be making a million dollars a year. Whereas for Joe, it'll be to have a family, you know, the bills more than taken care of, and living a good life where they go on vacation once a year. Other than that, they go to school, the kids, has five kids, they all go to school, they're doing well, they have extracurricular activities, they're in sports, they're playing, having good times, they eat dinner together at night, and, you know, just that very wholesome family life. Whereas uh, Bob over there, who's making a million dollars a year, is still single, traveling the world, seeing everything, making unforgettable experiences, and he has a Maserati. Okay. Well, if you ask Bob, hey, what the hell's your success? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's what I'm doing right now. You'd say, okay, well, good for you. Whatever floats your boat, if you want to do that, okay. Hey, Joe, uh, what's, what's your idea of success? Hell, I got it right now. Got a wife and kids, and my bills are paid. Vacation once a year. We're all hardworking because we, we want to be productive. That's who we are. Okay, great. Good for you, too. Seriously. Only you can define your success, okay? Again, Mark emphasizes that point, which I guess I'd really never heard of before I was 25 years old. Never in my life can I remember hearing that. To me, success, I thought, was a universally defined um, term, but not really. Everybody has their own version of it. It can be huge, leaps and bounds, world-changing success. For other people, it's just to say, well, hell, I just <laughs> I want to pay my car bill next month. It really is. Being able to stay afloat is success for some people. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Only you can define it. So you need to think, what do you want? What is success to you? What matters to you? And then you go for it, okay? If other people tell you that's not success, screw them. It doesn't matter what they think. You're the one going for your life. It's your life, okay? That's all that Mark has to say. He says, I could take the time to read a fiction book, but I don't. He emphasizes in this post, he chooses to stay on top of the business world. He likes to read and all these financial um, sort of stories and business stories and try to get a leg up on people. Because that's who he is. And that's why it's called this. How to win at the sport of business. He's considering the business world a sport. He loves sports. He loves competition. He's always trying to one-up the other guy and win. And that's why he's a billionaire, frankly, okay? He knows this stuff. That's what he personally enjoys. His idea of success is to spend 18 hours a day working, reading, studying, figuring out his next move, being a businessman, a business tycoon kind of person. And then the other, what is it, six hours, sleeping and seeing family. (laughs) And he says that. But if that works for him and his family, then you say, okay, good for you. Um, you're doing very well for yourself, and I hope you're using your money for charity, which I'm sure he is. I haven't looked into it. 
and then you're you get you own a basketball team now and you have a nice house and he's mentioned before in lots of posts and interviews hey when i was a young kid i used to drive to the rich people's neighborhood and drive around the neighborhood looking at their houses thinking hmm i wonder who lives there i wonder what he does i wonder how he got there that's a nice house i want one just like that he would use that as motivation to think i want this yeah I got to do it. No one's going to do it for me. So I need to start studying and reading and trying to get the advantage. And that's all business ever is, which is good. You want competition. You want Apple to say, hey, we're going to put out this. And then you want Samsung or someone else to say, well, guess what? We have this. And you think, ooh, man, those are both good options. So for the consumer, for the customer, he's got some great options. He's like, great, look at all these great products that I can choose from and services. My life is great. But that's the nature of the business world. If you want to be in a business, you have to, a business, you have to always be on the lookout, knowing, all right, someone right now could be out there trying to undercut me, trying to put me out of business. So I need to keep an eye out and try to anticipate what someone in the dark might do. You know, he's basically a ninja. <laughs> you can't see him, but you know he's there. He's like, man, that little bastard's around here somewhere. I need to keep an eye out and try to anticipate his next move before he takes me out. Mark Cuban loves that stuff. So that's why he's so successful in business. That's his personal choice and his personal success. That's what he defines it as. So more power to you. Do what you got to do, Mark. Here's one other thing. Offering content for which the path of least resistance was watching or listening online was a key to our building an audience. He's talking about his uh, HD Net Films and his broadcast.com, I think is what it was. He started that company and ultimately sold it, I believe, for millions and millions of dollars maybe a billion i don't know i think he that may have been the like billionaire overnight story he was like look what do customers want they want the path of least resistance okay so if you give a product or a service that makes their lives easier and it's you don't have to make the customer jump through hoops then they're probably going to choose you so you need to do that so there you go he's got all these practical you know life tidbits and then he gets into the some of the nitty-gritty of things like that, saying, here in my business, I went for the path of least resistance in order to give the customer exactly what they wanted in the way that they needed it, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're kind of a businessy kind of person, I majored in business, so this book appealed to me to a degree. And plus, I knew he was going to give life advice in it, okay? This isn't just business. He's telling a personal story here, like how he went from selling trash bags and mowing people's lawns, I think, to owning the Dallas Mavericks, making... Billions of dollars a year. Okay. He seems to be doing something right. So there you go. The Bonfire does recommend this small little booklet, How to Win at the Sport of Business by Mark Cuban. Give it a read. See what you think. Tell me what you think. Find us, Official Bonfire, Twitter, and Bonfire Productions on Facebook. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stew. You're crisp and clear and refreshing, and then you drink it. And it tastes like 7-Up. It does not taste like Pepsi. No, I don't think that's true. 7-Up. I'll close my eyes and see if I can taste the difference. That's a 7-Up beverage. That's clear Pepsi, if I can tell that crystal. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. The final segment of The Bonfire. Here. A story that came out last week. I mean, oldish kind of story, but I had to give my two cents. 
There is a teacher here in Texas, uh, in specifically the city of Godly, Texas. Brandy Young seems to think that a new homework policy is the answer. And she's willing to give it a shot for, I'm assuming, the year. Here's what she says. Dear parents, after much research this summer, I'm trying something new. Homework will only consist of work that your student did not finish during the school day. There will be no formally assigned homework this year. Research has been been unable to prove that homework improves student performance. Rather, I ask that you spend your evenings doing things that are proven to correlate with student success. Eat dinner as a family. Read together. Play outside. And get your child to bed early. Thanks, Mrs. Brandy Young. She says... (laughs) Research has been unable to prove homework improves student performance. Okay, that may or may not be true, but there's another side to homework that has nothing to do with the student performance. It's about a life lesson. Learning, hey, sometimes you have to do crap you don't want to. It's called maturity. Realizing, look, it's got to get done, and I need to do it. It's called time management. you got to do it. You start them young. When they're like first grade, and you're like, look, tonight you're going to have five minutes of homework. Do these addition tables, ten problems, add them together, bring them back to school tomorrow morning. Even that is absolutely better than nothing. The point is, look, this assignment needs to be done by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I don't care when you do it. If you do it tomorrow morning at 749, or you do it the second you get home, I don't care. It's about time management and meeting deadlines. That is the real world. Because when it comes time to pay your credit card bill or your mortgage, you got bloody deadlines you need to meet. You can't just say, oh, well, I didn't feel like it. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, my, uh, my dog ate my mortgage. No, you don't do that crap. Okay? There's a second side to the homework. Now, she says, here, here are some things that have been proven to correlate with student success. That may or may not be true, but I agree, hey, you should be doing these things. You should eat dinner as a family. Eat with people. It's good. It's fun and it's good. Read together. Yes, not necessarily the same book, but hell, just reading together. Reading is good and doing it together in a nice quiet room with maybe a little background music. That's very nice. Play outside. Yes, get your exercise. Run around. Hell, I don't get enough exercise. I'd love to have more time to play outside, but energy levels and I got a load of excuses. You know, you know, I've explained this before. (laughs) And get your child to bed early. Yes, Man, if I had someone at home to, like, put me in bed and say, Damn it, Andrew, it's 9 p.m. Go to bed. You need your sleep. I'm not even trusted with my own sleep schedule. My sleep schedule is terrible. But, look, that's called being an adult. Crap is going to happen. And you make choices. You say, well, I'm going to stay up tonight because I feel like it. And tomorrow, I guess I'm just going to have to bite it because I'm going to be tired. Or you say, well, today was a terrible day. I'd like to kind of relax a little bit. Or I could just go straight to bed and move on. Frequently, I like to try to stay up a little later and enjoy my evening. That way, I feel good about the day before going to bed. Uh, It's just a personal choice. But anyway, she's saying things I agree with. Yeah, eat dinner as a family, read together, play outside, go to bed early, get your sleep. Okay, I agree with all that. I don't agree with your idea about, well, there's not going to be any homework. I still think there should be. There should be work that you're doing during the school day. Yes, of course. If it doesn't get done, then that should be homework, too. The work has to get done. It's like, no, I need you to go through these problems. I need you to read these books. I need you to understand these concepts. In order to be a functional human being in society today, I need you to know these things. Okay? 
Uh, again, just my two cents. <laughs> Brandy, uh, you know, whatever. If if it works out and the kids still are smart, then fantastic. Great, whatever. Um, maybe another teacher will come around and say, all right, in my class, I'm giving you homework, and I'm doing it specifically because I want you to learn how to meet deadlines. If there's a teacher out there that does that, I'd say great, because that's still a life lesson. That's still something you need to learn. When are you going to learn it if not when you're a kid? You're certainly not going to learn it in college. You fool around enough in college that you don't learn anything almost. And you're uh, not a good idea, I don't think. You get them at a young age to learn about deadlines and time management. Those are important, too. They're pretty crucial in the real world. And in the real world, you can find Bonfire on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, of course, the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. Still got our writers going. I got my uh, first article written in a <laughs> couple months, movie review, Anthropoid. Definitely go check it out. And as time goes by, I hope to you know be able to shift enough things in my personal life, my work life, and be able to write more often. I hope I can maybe uh, do some more videos more often. I realize I've only done two, and but those are pretty intense. There's enough... Work to go around, Lord knows. So it's my time management. That's what I need to work on. So, Andrew Herzog signing out about his time management. He needs to go do it right now. Adios. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.